Welcome to episode 10 of the 2021 edition of the Draft Champions podcast. I'm here today with Derek Rose. Best hey, ball, how's it going? Best ball extraordinaire. Um, Generous. You can, find De- uh, you can find Derek on Twitter. His, his handle's D-R-H-O-A-3, so Dr. Ho, right? Yeah, Dr. Ho, yeah. Is it, like, like the, is it, is it after the infomercial guy that was selling with no. Dr. <laughs> no, it's a stupid handle I got from uh, college. Like I just like my email handle, and I just like I just stuck with it. So it's a horrible story, uh, but I just I just never let it go. All right, let's throw. So if it's a horrible story, then let's just not talk yeah, about it. Yeah, just move on. Just yeah. move on. It's pretty simple. Um, so yeah, me and you have been in quite a few drafts um, recently. I've been uh, admittedly I'm new to best ball, and um, but I'm getting kind of addicted to it because I love the draft. It's my favorite part of the fantasy baseball. Uh, if you're playing that many leagues, it gets it, it actually it actually impacts your performance playing in that many leagues with like fab and, and, and setting lineups. How many drafts have you done so far? Um, so I think I, I was looking yesterday, I think it's about five BB tens, uh, getting ready to wrap up 10 fan tracks. And then the one, uh, NB, NFBC double up we did. Uh, and then we just started our NFBC best ball. So it's, it's a, it's quite a few at this point already. So yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you know, but my the podcast that I do in it's pretty much NFBC centric, right. um, so it's fitting because um, we're going to be talking about NFBC and fan tracks. But we've both been in we've both been in the drafts, the first draft um, best ball NFBC draft with the deep rosters, hundred dollar um, du- mm-hmm. um, double up, and then we're in another one that Rob DiPietro from the Pole Hitter Podcast just put together. And a lot of heavy hitters, we'll talk about, well, maybe that's one of the first things we'll talk about, a lot of heavy hitters in that one. So we're sort of in the inaugural, we're the guinea pigs of the NFBC. Absolutely. Um, so, I don't know, you said you, you said you were listening to some of the podcasts that, uh, that uh, I've done recently with all the champions mm-hmm. of, uh, I guess, like the Roto format. Um, right. I don't think, um, and I, I, listened to your, um, I listened to your podcast uh, with the Brian Seymour, the, the, the best ball exclusive, Brian Seymour and the, the, the best <laughs> right. ball exclusive. That radio voice, yeah, man. Yeah, I was, who was he talking to? I was listening to because you know what, his podcast is actually, is really awesome. And it's, his podcast has made me want to become a better speaker because i'm not a speaker by trade i'm not that's not my uh, forte at all but i do like fantasy baseball that's not my that's not what i do and uh i think he was talking to someone uh maybe it was sp streamer uh yeah. Simeone, and he was did you listen to that one he's like oh, ah, yeah. i got this and you know another guy that does that sounds like that is uh govier guy i think the, i forget like mike govier i don't know he's done a, a bunch of different podcasts they're both like they sound they remind me of like troy mcclure on the simpson you might remote you might know me from <laughs> podcasts uh, podcasts from blah 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 my name's brian seymour but brian maybe and brian have been talking a lot offline so yeah. i can joke but um yeah he's got the, he's just got a great voice for this so uh, I, I that's one of the things maybe i need to get better at is just speaking more clearly so maybe i'll talk like this maybe i'll talk like brian for the rest of this that's episode. right that's right why don't we um, get to know each other? Because we just jumped right on. We just jumped yeah, right in yeah. here. You're from, I believe, Chicago. 
Um, uh, close enough. I'm, I'm farther south, much smaller town, uh, but uh, from Illinois. Nice. Um, so. Yeah, I say, I'm from, I say I'm from Toronto. I'm not really from Toronto. I'm about an hour south of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. So, so same, same difference. So same, yeah. same idea. I was, uh, I was actually at, um, at Wrigley last year in April. Oh, yeah. And um, some nice restaurants in the Chicago area. Boy, April can be a it can be a questionable regular game. It can be cold. I've done oh, yeah. a couple uh, early spring games up there, and it is freezing sometimes. Yeah, we were at a we were at a bachelor party last year in April, and it actually we were debating between going Saturday or Sunday, and we chose the right day because the, the other day that we we almost went, it ended up snowing, and the game got canceled. Oh, it was yeah, snow, I mean, it was snowed out. Uh, so we saw, I believe the uh, I think we saw the Angels there, and we were just in the um, we we bought like the the box at the top where it's all you can oh, eat, yeah. all you can eat, all you can, eat, oh, all you yeah. can drink. We just got yeah. fucking annihilated. It was awesome seeing, and I like to talk about drafting early and that's why we're drafting. That's what we're talking right now. And one of the things about drafting really like is I, I like to see, I like to try to get, take advantage of market inefficiencies, even if I don't really understand the format of best ball um, and like where to draft when I'm, that's sort of something I'm trying to get a handle on right now. I like to see the market inefficiency and sort of like bargain shop. Right. And um, I see, and one of the inefficiencies I actually see is you on Twitter. Like, I think you're approaching a thousand followers. Creeping think, up there. You know what? I'm going to make a call right now. Before the season starts, you're going to be like, I, like I think people are taking note of what you're doing. You're going to be minimum 3,000 guaranteed before before March. Boy, that'd be nuts. That'd be nuts. It feels, it feels weird now. You think that'd be nuts? I, I, I can, I'll, put, I'll put money on it. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll, I'll buy you into one of these best fall leagues if you're not at 3,000 by March. That's, I mean, that's, how, that's, how, that's how confident I am. You're, 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 I'm as confident as you as some of the sleepers I have late in the drafts <laughs> that I'm not going to even talk about because I don't want anyone to get them. Um, I appreciate that. No, no problem. So another thing um, that I heard when you, I think I listened to your, um, listened to you talk on uh, the best ball exclusive with Brian Seymour. And um, one of the things that I, that he also talked about your uh, CPA. Yep. Yep. Well, Accountant by trade. That's kind of how I kicked into um, some of the, the spreadsheets and like the visualizations, like I do that stuff for work. So I just started bringing that into the fantasy baseball and it translates, you know, it just translates well. It's so still time that, consuming though, right? It is. And it, it's, I'm one of those weird people though that I enjoy it. So like, you know, most people, I mean, it's just your snooze, it's a snooze fest, but for me, like, that's just, it's what I enjoy doing. So, um, which is as exciting as it sounds. Um, but the output, you know, you get some really, really good results. So it just translates so well. My thing with that is I, I like, I'm, I'm like, I'm similar, um, except my, my issue is getting the data, compiling the yeah. data is the hardest part. Um, yeah. and I don't, I don't think we will, maybe I'll talk to you offline about that later because yeah, I, don't, I, absolutely. Don't waste, I don't want to waste our, our, our time on that, but, um, I don't know. Fun, fun, uh, fun fact about me. I'm also a CPA Oh, okay. from, from Canada. So same, we're cut from the same cloth in, yeah. so to speak. So um, yeah, I started off at uh, as an audit an audit at Price Waterhouse. Oh man! Um, so I was an, I was an external auditor being counter for about four years, and then uh, now I've been in various other roles after that. But um, four years is enough of that. Oh yeah, I think yeah. As soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I got designated, I pieced the hell out of there. <laughs> did you did you no did, did you start off there? I did a little public, uh, smaller firm, local firm. I did taxes though. Um, oh, well, took me actually, about. Taxes are as bad, I don't think. No, they're not. No, it's just the uh, tax season 
is not great, but uh, yeah, I got out of there as quick as I could. Audit's worse, yeah. actually. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Anyways, so enough. Uh, I'm yeah, sure right. People are, turned, people are tuned out now. So I've lost like- Three accountants are the only people left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even, who, are there any accountants that listen to this? Like no, I lost- we're like, find um, out. I lost, uh, I lost 66.6% of our viewers. So there's one person left. Um, so um, let's talk about the draft we're in right now. And yep. um, maybe talk about um, the um, Rob's draft. We're in sort of like, a, he's calling it a listener league. And yeah. we're with um, a couple of, a couple of big hitters in there, like Phil Dassault. I had him on, on the show recently. Uh, he, he's like, like myself, um, new to best ball. And I, but I think, he really, I think he'd really thrive in this because it's really mathematical and that's, yeah. a, that's something that um, it seems like he'd be right up his alley. So I think I'm like, I think he, he does really well in the Roto Leagues and I'm, I'm kind of scared to see how well he'd do in this. I think he might even do better. Yeah, it feels like this is going to be a really tough room. Like just seeing the names, I'm like, holy crap. I'm actually really happy with my start. Um, have, you, have you had your second pick yet? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't love it. Um, but you know, it's, it's who, uh, it's who, you know, I, I did Bellinger in the second round, like that shoulder scares me a little bit, but it's just, I feel like there's a big drop off at first base after those top two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I think the position eligibility in this, in this, in this league is going to be helpful. And that's another, that's another thing that draws me to Bellinger. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cause you're crossing over those two positions. You're, you know, you're, it's not just a corner, like you're getting corner and outfield. Right. So yeah, um, I'll I'll see I'll I'll let everyone know who I started with. It was uh, oh, so I, had, you go. I had the eleventh pick and I got Bauer and and J Ram as uh, quite pretty happy with that. I wasn't expecting um, I, I I could have got none of them um, in fact. So I'm happy with I'm happy with I'm happy with those two. Did players. you think about going Bauer first, or are you pretty set on on? No, I got, you, I got Bauer first. You went Bauer first. Okay, that's yeah. what I was – okay. Yeah, yeah because, because – yeah, because I, I think there's a bigger drop-off in pitching mm-hmm. than hitting. Like, because I'm like, okay, what's the worst going to happen? If I take, if I take Bauer uh, – I wanted, I wanted J-Ram. Uh, he, he was my first choice. But if I don't get him, I can get Freeman, Story. They're all pretty good options there. Right. Um, one, one of the things um, – maybe uh, – one of the things that I've noticed uh, in these best balls, and I've, had, I've done a couple of them, that drafting near the turn of the first round, I tend to want to avoid uh, getting first base or sorry, um, shortstops because I think I, I feel like there's a sweet spot or a little honey hole, as my friend Ray Butler would say, um, uh, it, on the three four turn or is it the three or the next turn? Yeah, the two three turn. The, um, right. Oh no, your next. Yeah, my next turn. The the, yeah, the yeah. three the three four turn. There's a yeah. nice little honey hole. Of, yeah. Of those short stops there because I've, I've it's sort of trial by error because I've t- there's been a I've had a draft where I've taken Trey Turner and then I come to the next turn and I have all these short stops that are just great right still right. so I, I want to try to get like either a pitcher outfielder or a pitcher um, well, corner here um, yeah if I'm not taking if if you know I think the only short stop I'm taking kind of up there you know obviously you get fortunate you get in the top part and you take Tatis but like outside that like I'm happy to to let kind of those those right end, those turn guys go. Yeah, and wait around. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I've noticed that I that I regretted on one of my, one of my first drafts. And um, talk. Speaking of um, speaking of um, Bellinger, one of the things uh, um, I had on here that I want to talk about is sort of like um, um, industry trends. That um, I have one industry trend that I sort of people are talking about that I sort of um, uh, I'm, I have a contrarian view to that, and that is people always say, "Don't don't wait on first base." 
like your Pete Alonzo's and your, and your Voights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Don't take them because you can get power later. I don't necessarily think that because I think that, um, I think, yeah, that's true. You can get power later, but first base just dries up like crazy. Like after like pick 100, any type of format, like you're really, like really, you're really euchred. I think if you don't get somebody early, um, especially so. when you start pulling out those multi eligibility guys who are like, like Moustakis, he's got first base, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, DJ LeMay, who first base, like you aren't playing those guys there and you start pulling some of those guys out. And I, I don't like where first base is when you start getting into those middle late rounds. Right. Um, I, so is there, is there something that, is there an industry trend that you're sort of low on? I know this, um, sort of putting you in the spot here, but, um, like, like, like akin to that, that, uh, well, actually, you know, we've been talking about this a lot and I think this has been a big topic of conversation, but specifically in these formats, I think, uh, I think the positional eligibility can get a little overrated. Um, but I think that's really hot. Like, I think people are like, I, like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about, it. I think it's much more valuable in, uh, in like weekly formats where you have these, uh, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but like where you're setting a roster ahead of time and you know what it's going to look like and you're trying to make sure you hit certain stats and things like that. Like, I think that flexibility is more important than in a best ball where your best players are you know especially in these deeper like roster settings like they're going to play like just with the with all the different ways that a guy can start corner util you know middle like there's just so many different ways you're starting five outfielders like i don't know how often that positional eligibility is benefiting you relative to some of the other formats like roto you know these big main event you know leagues where you're having tight small rosters and you need that flexibility yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And I think we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit more detail later. Um, um, so um, you seem to, you, you seem to be very ready in these drafts and you've done, you're, you're, you're well into a lot of these drafts and um, it, it sort of seems like you're just like, talk, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, 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 I just get the sense that like you use projections and I'm, I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you where you get them from but it seems like you're not going to be overly concerned with like refining or getting, getting um, bogged in the details of these projections because it's more of um, it's, it's more of just like you want to use them as a guideline, but your, your overall strategy of when to take positions, when to go after certain um, certain um, styles of players is more important than the actual projections. Is that true? Um, early in the off season. Yeah, I would say so. So I am a bit, I'm a projections drafter. Um, like, but I'm also not concerned about having those projections be 100% right now. Like I'm going to go with the best information I've got now and I'm just going to start drafting. And as I, as I start drafting, I come across players that either I'm, you know, not ending up with or guys that like, it, you know, I just want to dig me more. I'll refine my projections as I go. And I tend to, I'm one of those people that uses a couple different projections, melds them together and tinker with my own playing time. Um, but yeah, I am looking more kind of roster strategy, especially early than I am necessarily specific players. Um, because I think, you know, we just, there's so much we don't know right now. Um, so I'm going to use the projections as a guide and then kind of, you know, use my own, hopefully, <laughs> uh, experience, you know, to kind of know where to take specific guys and spots. So, and that leads me to the, that leads me to another question. You, um, um, I should have mentioned this probably first, but um, one of the things that, um, one of the things that um, that you're doing that I believe that's going to make you very, very pop, a very cool kid 
around the fantasy <laughs> baseball community is uh, the injury timeline that you've, that you've yeah. um, worked so hard on. And also you have um, something um, that you've done something with uh, a projection tool or ADP tool that you're actually marketing. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah. And, and did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, yeah, I can definitely. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I guess you didn't hear that. That's my computer yeah. saying that I'm, I'm the big horn on fan tracks. So I guess maybe oh. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't come through. No, but my question is, um, talk about talk about your tools. Um, mm -hmm. But I have one question um, about them. Is um, if if you are um, compiling a, a tool with ADP, and I always see you posting things with the mm -hmm. ADP, are you concerned that you're drafting with such a homogeneous group of drafters right now that it's going to skew things? Yes. Um, and the ADP stuff is stuff I, you know, well, let me, let me come back to ADP. Let me talk about the, the injury tool first. So I've got a couple different injury tools out there. The one that I think is most helpful for people right now is the injury timeline tool. Um, if you go to my timeline on Twitter, you'll find it. Um, I, it is great for off season uh, research on players, looking at players injury history, see, you know, how they're getting injured, um, you know, frequency, how long they're injured. Um, you get, uh, look at the last three years of um, exit velocity for hitters and last three years of pitcher velocity, uh, fastball velocity for pitchers. Try and see if like guys are being affected by injuries and, and, and the way you can visualize it is, is actually with a kind of a calendar timeline. So that's out there. I think that's um, super helpful for this time of year and I use it a lot um, and that's free. You can just check that out. Um, I have another tool that I'm actually selling that's specifically for fan tracks um, and you can go check that out. You know, it, it's if you're if you're somebody who's into Fantrax, it's worth your time to check it out. If you're not into Fantrax, you know I'm gonna have something for NFBC later. But um, but then the stuff I share ADP wise, that's stuff I'm tracking myself, um, and there's definitely some risk there. So I track ADP for leagues I'm in. Um, I try and get a mix of drafters, but right now, like you know, it's it's a lot of the same group. So you know, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking especially on fan tracks, 10, only 10 leagues, you know, on, on, and the BB tens, I've got like, you know, five or six, you know, leagues worth of data. And so like, to some extent, you're kind of getting the same folks. Um, now one advantage to at least uh, to both of those is some of those drafts are before ADP was out. So you're kind of starting to make ADP as opposed to, you know, letting the, the in, um, you know, the, the sites ADP kind of influence picks, which we know that happens, right? People, they draft off yep. of ADP. I, I'm guilty of it. Right. I mean, like, cause you just, I don't know where people think this guy should go. Yeah. Um, and so push, like, you try to push the envelope using yep. ADP. Yep. And so like, and, and I'm a, I'm a, I believe in using ADP, but you know, when people are, you know, kind of, they're just making picks based on it inside those draft rooms, you know, that can really skew your data. Um, so yeah, you, I, I, I do think it's a concern, but you know, I think as long as you use ADP in the right way, you know, and kind of realize the inherent limitations, especially this early, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still helpful. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure. One of the good things about NFBC, or I guess you could say good or bad, is that um, they, their ADP is specific to the format. Now, yes. fan tracks, I don't think it is because I'm looking at nope. like a guy like Joe Adele and he's going way higher because a lot of dynasty leagues are getting drafted now too, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, especially so fan tracks, you can't separate it out. NFBC, if you're outside of the draft room, you can download just BB10 stuff. Um, but if you're inside the draft room, it's going to show the ADP for this. Uh, at least it did last I don't year. That's true, though. They may have changed that now. Um, Greg confirmed it for me last year, so they may have updated that this I think year. It might, I think it might be changed. I'm not, I'm not okay. sure, but it's it, like I'm, I've done a lot of the draft champions, and it, and they're different. The ADP seem different, um, unless things have really changed. Um, 
because there's obviously a small sample size, but it seems. And maybe seem with different. the BB10s, they've got enough of them now that they're like they they were. It's a whole different. It's a whole different cycle. Yeah. BB10. Yeah, that's know. what. I'm, yeah. Even the one that we're in right now, it seems um, different than the draft champions. Does it? Well, that'd be I great. So. That'd be a huge benefit if if that's the case. It makes it easier, but yeah. it also it also um, like drafting now, drafting early is you don't have the the ADPs building and also um, getting in this early and being a shark like yourself, you can. You can make your own ADP. You can right. also use the ADP against people, and right. you can also use the different formats that people make. People that are familiar with fan tracks, like the the yearly fan tracks users, users that are dipping their dipping their feet in the NFBC now don't realize right. all the nuances that we're going to get into today right. um, that that you can use to, to to your advantage. And one of the things I I I, I wanted to say is that like I'm new to this, but it, it, I can just get the sense there are people that just like you said, there's there's people that are that have been doing this and Brian's Brian's talked about it, the best ball. And so if you just have been very successful for a long period of time. And I feel that mm -hmm. sort of like, you're sort of like a ping pong player, sort of just like waiting for someone else to make mistakes. You're just hitting, you're just volleying it back and forth and you're just waiting for them to hit into the net. You're waiting for them to draft a relief pitcher too early. You're waiting yep. for them to draft someone that has injury, like um, case in point, your injury timeline prospects mm -hmm. too early. Um, it's about playing time. So, do you, do you think that metaphor makes sense? I think it does. I think it does. And I, I think the big thing is like, you know, people adjusting from a format where you have to take a bunch of uh, big swings, like uh, in best ball, it, you know, no matter the scoring, almost all of them are going to be um, playing time driven. Like, you know, I mean, you need good players, but like more, the, the, you know, the most scarce resource is playing time. And so like, um, so you don't need to make flashy plays every pick. Like you just need to make solid, consistent picks. And so, yeah, I'm looking to, to do that. And especially when you play in a, a volume of leagues, um, you know, you don't need to crush every pick. Like you just need to be consistent. And if somebody's going to make a mistake, somebody falls, you know, farther than they should based on where you've got them projected, then you take them. Um, if somebody else is going to take a prospect, I'm going to let them. Like I'm just not – I'm not going to take guys who aren't going to contribute to my team, you know, for multiple weeks. Right. And that, um, that makes sense. Well, and that's, that's one of the topics that we're going to get into a little bit more detail um, later. Um, I'm in a draft right now. I'm talking about um, just different, different styles and, and people that are, have done this for a while. Have you like ha having, having played the best ball for uh, I'm assuming several years and mm -hmm. doing probably hundreds of drafts. Have you seen different styles win or is there like, is there like, I guess, You've talked about this on other podcasts, like in terms of roster construction, is there an ideal right. format like for each, maybe get into each of them. This is sort of a transition into um, the differences between um, mm -hmm. the different, the three different formats, which is fan tracks, the BB tens, and now the best ball NFBC that we're going to talk about. Is there any ideal format? Because I think I'm in a draft right now. I'm trying to find it. Um, you might actually be in it as well. Um, yeah. That dude was, is that the guy who took a bunch of hitters? Yeah. That, um, I know, yeah, he, he, I, um, we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, yeah. he, he took um, two, four, six, eight, ten hitters to start. Like, right. can, can that work? In a double up, you can cash. Like, I would never do that in a, in a league you're trying to win. Like, you know, especially on fan tracks. And I was going to say, I think on fan tracks, there is a pretty established, like, best roster construction as far as, like, the number of players across positions. I think on the – uh, the NFBC and the BB10s, like, I don't know if we know that yet. Like, I don't know if we have enough data to really know. Like, I, like you said, I have literally hundreds of uh, Fantrax leagues worth of data. And, like, I've gone and looked and see, like, you know, what does a, a winning roster look like across all those leagues? And, like, you know, 
those guys, you know, typically they're going to have between 16 to 18 pitchers. You know, they're going to have uh, backups in most of their hitter positions. Um, they're going to take early pitching, like to some extent over, you know, in Fantrax. Um, and so like it, I have seen a couple of really weird drafts where like a guy went like 10 pitchers straight. And uh, in one, and I can't remember the league, it was uh, two years ago, but he crushed. I mean, just absolutely crushed the league. But I've seen those same type of moves, just they're just super high variance. And those guys, you know, like you're, when you're drafting a bunch of pitchers, like things can just go wrong so easily. He's probably going to have to hit on some of those later pitches, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, honestly, I'm in so many right now that I don't even know. Is that a double up or is that a 10? Yeah, that was a double up. Most so he, of so he could, you're saying he, it is possible. To, yeah, it, it, there's a better shot, obviously. Especially if you're using projections, like the you know we're so much better at projecting hitters than pitchers. Like so, to some extent, you know, like you invest your highest level pick in, in the most certainty, if you will. Um, but you know, you I don't think you can win a 10x format like that. Now um, you talk about getting backups for most of your positions. Now is it so? Say let, let's say let, let's just for the sake of argument, say you start with um, Freddie Freeman and. Um, a Bray at first base, a real two really good first basemen. Mm-hmm. Are you still looking, maybe not right away, to get a third first baseman even near the end of the draft, um, be, just in case one of them gets injured? Because personally, I'd feel pretty comfortable with those two going throughout the year, just yeah. in case of an injury. Or do you still want to get that third, or, or would you be comfortable with, just, with calling it quits with those two? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, break my back trying to get a third first baseman, especially if I don't find one at a value I like. Like I think, especially those corner positions. Um, like if you get two studs, you know, I, I I think there's there's a you know a lot of game theory that says ride that. And like if one of those guys breaks, like what are the chances of your team you know keeping going? Like right, if you lose Freddie Freeman, you know, for an extended period of time, you know, that third first baseman is not going to replace Freddie Freeman. Like he's just not, you know, that's, so that's like, a good point. Um, you know, versus, you know, now if you didn't take a Brayu, then you got to get three. But if you go, if you go bang, bang, and get two of those studs pretty early, like I'm okay with saying, look, I'm just going to try and use that um, and create more flexibility elsewhere. Um, I also think you can do that at, at positions that are really shallow, that just aren't good, like second base. Like I, sometimes I'm just going to take two second basemen because I don't want to waste it a roster spot on a third second baseman when the value I'm getting from that guy is, is almost like he's not a good player. Mm. Um, and so like, I'd rather have take a shot on another corner guy, take a shot on another pitcher and just say, look, if I run out of second basements, so what? Nobody's got a good second baseman, you know, except for maybe, the, you know, the handful of guys who get those studs at the top. Now, this is, uh, I want to, I want to let you run with the differences and I'm going to give you the, fl- the floor on that. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But just, um, just before that, like uh, what I, what I'm noticing being new to the, um, just uh, on, in the fan tracks format, because I want you to go through um, the talk about the ideal for uh, your ideal format and fan tracks um, and the other two um, formats. But what I, what I've been finding, and this is just sort of my gut saying this is when I'm, when I'm doing the fan tracks leagues, shortstop and first base seem to be like loaded um, more so than other positions. That's, 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 that's mm. like, I'm always really comfortable with those. Like I'm usually comfortable in those positions, even to a point where I'm grabbing three shortstops before I even really fill out maybe second base. And yeah. I only have one outfield because I don't care because there's three utility spots. So one, it's not really hurting me in terms of like replacement value. And two, I'm actually making things worse for my opponents. 
by mm-hmm. by just loading up like three really good shortstops. Like I've had, but you you know what I mean, right? So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. What what do you think about that? Then I'll give, then just take it away on the differences and maybe do a little primer for everyone on the differences. Yeah, the three formats. Sure, and I won't go into too crazy on on the differences, but just brief, briefly on the short. Like I think it's perfectly fine in Fantrax because you don't have multi position. Like I think you can play games where you're like, well, look, I'm going to take away things from everyone else. So if I if I'm you know cornering the shortstop market and look, that just means I don't have to worry about one of my utility spots is always going to have one of those deep shortstops in it. That's fine. You can live with that. Like if you thought of that spot as a corner or a middle spot, excuse me, you know, like that's what you'd want to do anyway. So you know that's fine. Um, generally speaking, that is kind of one of the big differences between Fantrax and the BB10s is everybody's single position eligible. Uh, and that really changes the way you draft. Um, so guys you're used to being able to create roster flexibility with, you can't because you don't, you know, because they just are playing at that position, whatever position they played the most at in the previous year. It also means though, that there is no utility only guy, like everybody has a position. So on fan tracks, uh, Nelson Cruz is an outfielder, um, JD Martinez, an outfielder. Um, so that kind of deepens up some of those player pools uh, that you don't see, you know, elsewhere. Um, the other, you know, big thing with fan tracks, you know, you want to check scoring settings on every league. On fan tracks, there's no negative points for hitting. Um, you get innings pitched or king. Like, you know, the pitchers are, are going to be bumped up by innings pitched. Um, you know, it's 40 rounds. And then you have the single position eligibility. Over on the BB10 and the NFPC, they have the same scoring format. Um, they just have different roster settings. Um, but you know, the, the scoring settings are designed to kind of mirror the roto settings. So you do have, you know, you're going to get hit if you're a low average guy, you're not getting benefit for OBP guys, you know, some things like that, um, which make it a little bit different. The BB10s have these super short rosters, you know, it's one catcher, um, two outfielders, one utility, uh, and then one in every infield position. And then you only start four pitchers. And I think that really throws people off if you've never drafted in that, that kind of a league before, because pitching is, you know, it's just, it doesn't have the same values you would in any other league that has, you know, a reasonable amount of pitching spots. Right. So, um, what I don't, did we, did we, um, conclude on the, um, ideal, uh, positions you want to get in fan tracks? Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm flexible at the, at the in, you know, at the infield positions, I'm going to have nine outfielders on every team I draft, no matter what. Um, because you start five and I just, I'm, I don't want to get the end of the season and not have outfielders. Uh, I'm shooting for 16 to 18 pitchers. Uh, it's okay if some of them are relievers. I don't have a problem for that. Um, and so if you start mathing that out, that means you're going to not have three backups at every position on the infield and catcher. Um, so you got to start picking where you want to cheat. Um, I prefer to cheat at the positions that aren't as strong. So um, sometimes I'll only take two catchers, especially if I take a good one early. Um, if you take scrub catchers, I think you got to go three. Um, but then you're kind of just picking and choosing value and getting three positions at the at the most positions you can. Right. Um, so catcher, catch like you, you talk about catcher. Um, what I what I've looked at, I looked at that, and in the BB tens, there one position is one catcher, and there's eight hitters in total. So they're, they're one eighth of your mm-hmm. roster. In the fan tracks, um, no, sorry, in the NFBC, what we're playing right now, there, there's two catchers, but you have 14 hitters. So they're one-seventh of your roster. Um, and they're two-twenty-thirds of your total roster, including starters, including pitchers. Um, so they're about 
the same percentage of your total roster as the BB10. So it works out to 8.3% of your total roster are catchers in the BB10s and 8.7. So the difference is negligible. So essentially catchers comprise about the same amount of your roster yeah. um, in both. Granted, they take up a little bit more of your hitting roster in the fan or the, in the NFBC best ball format yeah. with 50 rounds. So what, what, what are your, like, is there a paradox that catching is more valuable in this format that despite it making a smaller percent of your roster, because it seems like people are taking catchers earlier in the BB tens than other formats. Um, because there's only, you, there, there, it seems like a, a smaller percent of your or a bigger percentage of your roster, but really it's not. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I actually went and ran this after you, cause you mentioned that and I was like, well, I never really thought about it, but I went and looked at my values and my values have like um, JT Real Muto, like 10 spots higher in this single catcher format of the BB 10. Um, and when I kind of started digging into it, it really just comes down to, um, you know, how many guys you have on your, like, you know, how many guys, how many roster spots you get to make to score points and the fewer you have, the more valuable each one is like, right. and so, you know, even though it's a different, you know, this percentage of, of your roster is the same, like you have less swings at those points. And so I think that pushes catchers up. And so I think everybody's like, well, look at, you know, I've got like whatever, six or seven, you know, starting spots. Like I have to have a good guy. I don't want to have a scrub in this spot. Right. Um, versus in those, you know, deeper NFBC formats, you're like, look, I'll make it up. I'll, you know, I'll have scrub, you know, scrub catchers because I'm going to take elite guys at the corner positions or I'm going to have, you know, my, my middle is going to be better than everyone else's starting shortstop or whatever. Like, you know, um, I think you can kind of make up for it in other ways because you just have more chances, you know, more roster spots to do it in. Right. And I guess in a similar vein, um, looking at fan tracks, you have five outfield spots in fan tracks and you also have five outfield spots in um, the NFBC, um, not the BB10s, but the NFBC. But, right. but given the fact that you don't have to worry about corner or middle in fan tracks, would that make outfielders more important to get good outfielders and fan tracks than in NFBC? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because so many of those guys that you're getting over on the NFBC, you know, like they are going to have some flexibility. Um, you can bounce them back and forth. I think the outfield pool is deeper because of the multi-position eligibility. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, people, they just shift over. And so on fan tracks, you know, like, these you know whatever starting like you're starting five guys like they have to have that position out you know that position yeah um, i do think outfield's pretty deep like you know when you start getting towards the bottom i think there's a lot of guys that you don't mind having on your roster but that doesn't necessarily mean they're great players you know like the, the great players kind of run out yeah um, there, i've noticed in the fan tracks there are like once i have my nine or ten there's still guys out there that i'm like i, don't yeah. I wouldn't mind him as yeah. my ninth like nomar mazara like he's gonna yeah. like he should get playing time but he's like yep. he's sitting there right so I don't mind him um, at the end of the roster. So yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. It's um, the last position I'm filling if I can. Oh, yeah. I, f I find that also catcher, like your last catcher, I'm pretty comfortable with some of the catchers near the end. If I have a good first yeah. catcher, like I'm getting like some of the catchers that I'm getting that are just sort of scraps left over are catchers that I, that I like anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Like Completely so agree. I think outfield catcher and then, Pitcher actually dries up pretty quickly, and I this is this is what I don't know, and I, I'm sort of I'm I, I'm a big like dynasty player as well, right. so I, I 
I have the, like these prospects that I think that are going to be, I'm like this, I'm, I'm not looking for a guy in single A that's going to come up, but right. I'm right. these prospects like that are going to be up that should, that I think should be up in April and May. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to leave these guys not drafted in these leagues, but you sort of have to have discipline. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Because like, you know, they I'm, have, I'm screwing up then. I've taken a couple of them. It's hard. It's because they're good. Like, you know, and I think if you're taking them towards the end of the draft, I don't think it's as big a deal. You know, um, these guys are taking like, I mean, this isn't a picture, but Wando Franco, Wando, Franco's going so early, like, you know, like, and you know, he has to be so good, like to make up for just sitting on your bench, you know, and you can't replace him um, with the pitchers right now. We just like, we don't know who the, you know, the number five pitchers are on some of these guys, like some of these rosters. And like, I, I always, always felt like as the, as the draft season goes on that the pitching gets a little deeper because you just start to find more, more guys with jobs, like just like they may not be good, but they've got jobs. Um, but it is tough with those with those when you start talking about prospect pitchers. I know I've kind of fallen in in love with uh, like Spencer Howard, um, but like I did last uh, year, he screwed us <laughs> <all> last year. <laughs> yeah. I'm dipping back in the well a little bit, but like you know, he's a guy I think has a job right now. You know, like oh, I think he has a job too. Yeah, but, right, I, right. I, but like what I, what my what my biggest lesson in the roto leagues last year was I was drafting these pitchers, these these rookie pitchers, way too early. Like mm. you're Mackenzie Gore, Spencer Howard, and I've said this on the right. podcast, Pearson. I was drafting them as starters when like it's, it's, a, it's the same trap every year. The year before that was Whitley and Luzardo when Luzardo was useless, be it injury, be it playing time. Right. There's, there's all these other pitchers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into listing them because I want to, I, I kind of don't want to say them. <laughs> and depression. But, right. I was going to yeah, say, like, <laughs> but no, I, could, I don't want to listen because I, I want I still want to get them like later on. There's all these pitchers and you know, you know, I'm sure you know my guys by now. Um, but there's guys that are going like still Mackenzie Gore is going early 200s or yep. 250. Like what? Like okay, he's the number one prospect, but is he going to give you the innings? Like his he may lack in innings or injury um, versus guys going between 400 and 450 that are really really good as well. So if I'm still going to speculate on my prospects, but I'm not speculating yeah. that early. I'm not using starting spots on that. Yeah, you definitely want to be speculating late if you're going to. In the best balls, you can, like I yeah. don't even know if you can speculate on these prospects. I, I try not to. I really, you know, like unless I'm it's like, yeah, it's hard. Unless you think that guy's coming up in like two weeks, you know, some of those are the three week guys, and you're like, you feel pretty. And again, you don't even 100 percent know. No, you don't. You know how about that until later? But like, unless you feel like it's one of those guys, I'm I'm passing. So like, uh, Kelnick, Kelnick is a guy people are taking a lot. Like, I'm just not. I'm, no. So. No. Oh, this is, this is something that I wanted to ask you because I was listening to Brian Seymour. I was listening to Brian Seymour and he was talking about Jared Klenick and he said that Jared Klenick is probably easier uh, uh, to roster in best balls than uh, draft champions. And I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing here um, because he can sit on your bench, but I don't really just, I don't really, I, I'm on the opposite fence. I think he's easier to take in, in the draft champions leagues than he is in these best ball leagues. And I've still taken him in both because, because I suck. Um, but uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, but, uh, but I feel like, the, I feel it's the opposite. I feel the DCs, uh, and I've heard people say that you're buying, you're not buying a player, you're buying a roster spot. So you're buying, like in the DCs, you're buying a roster spot with Clinic. So you're taking him and say the round 15 and you're buying that roster spot, but you can backfill that roster spot with like, like I said, Noah right. Mazzara at pick 450. And, and you're saying, okay, I'm, I've, I've consciously bought Kalenic, but I'm buying that roster spot that I'm going to fill with Noma Mazzara's spot, stats for three weeks. 
Now, in, in, in these best balls, you built your team, you built, you take an X number of outfielders, and you've, if you're not buying that roster spot, you're buying like the probabilities of each of those nine or 10 outfielders gonna, gonna like shoot stats into your starting lineup. Yeah. And Play. You're, yeah. You're, so in, in the DCs, in contrast, you're not taking a zero because you're, you're backfilling it. But in best balls, really, if you think about it, you can argue that you are taking a zero in that potential, right? So that's, that's, that's my I think thought. So. No, I think so. And when I did, I did some research um, going into the 2020 season that basically like good teams don't take zeros. Like, like teams that win do not take zeros. And the way you don't take like uh, t- in a given week, you know, cause you're, you're weekly scored. And the way you don't take zeros is like you have, you have productive players at it, you know, at every spot. Like you have guys that, um, you know, aren't waiting for them to be called up from the minors. They're not hurt. They didn't lose their job. Like, um, and I know that sounds really duh, but like when you start thinking about it, if you can't, you know, you, you can't drop a guy, you can't fix that zero, that zero stuck there until, <laughs> until something changes. Like, you know, so you could be riding that zero for two, three months um, while somebody else is, you know, maybe they're only getting one or two weeks out of whoever they put there. Like that's one or two weeks you didn't get. Right. Right. So, um, what I wanted to talk about with you next is, um, just the difference in player values between, um, fan tracks and the NFBC. And, um, I actually ran the 2020 and 2019, um, fan tracks and NFBC scoring on an overall basis. And I know the, the, the points are in this, in the software anyways, but I ran it, um, 2020, 2019 on a points per game and a points, um, uh, and a total points. And I looked at the difference, uh, between their rankings. So hitters, I did it on a per game basis. And I looked at their rankings in NFBC and I looked at their rankings in fan tracks and players were ranked differently because it's, it's different, as you said, different point um, systems. Um, Fan tracks counts walks. Um, uh, NFBC mirrors roto more, so getting out, getting out, or your batting average would, would factor more into it. And um, um, before we get into some of the nuances of that, I have, I have a little. I'm putting you on the spot here. I have a little trivia game for you. Oh, okay. So here's here's your here's your question because um, I know um, you're quite familiar with the fan track scoring system, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, NFBC is new to everyone. So we're just talking top 100 players. So I don't want, I'm not trying to get into like some, I'm not trying to get into some <laughs> weird, like 500 ranked players. So, all yeah. the, so I'm talking about um, the top 100 ranked players in 2020. I know it's a short season, small sample size for 2020. He was a top 100 player in fan tracks, but this person had the biggest gap. This what pitcher who was a top 100 pitcher in fan tracks had the biggest gap between fan tracks and, um, NFBC, so he was much worse in the NFBC format. Um, all right, so two two guesses come to mind. One is Herman Marquez. Um, he's a fan tracks darling, right? Um, that, that's that's not the player. Okay. Uh, what about Matt Boyd? He's another guy that plays so much better in fan tracks. Well, I don't know it, if he'd be top one hundred. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's not. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't. Th- I don't think he was top one hundred. I think he had a crazy twenty twenty season. Um, I'm going to pull up the board right now. I just have the answers on a, on a piece of paper, but I'm going to yeah. pull up my, um, I have a pitching board right here. There goes the fan tracks. 
Yeah, you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just barely. Yeah, I've got a bunch of them going off. I'm, yeah. I'm probably pissing people off because I'm not uh, making my picks. But so do you have a it's not it's not Boyd because I don't think he was in the top one hundred. No, no, um, Boyd, I'll I'll search him for you. Boyd was oh he's way down there. So he was the eh, not that bad. He was um 163, 163rd ranked pitcher in the NFBC and 111 in fan truck. So he, yeah, yeah. he was better, but he didn't make the top one. You were, yeah. were right on both accounts. He didn't make the top 100 um, in either league, but he, but he did have, he did have, um, the, he was the 16th um, biggest variance. It's that kind of guy. It's these guys who are just like, they maybe, like they get innings. They're not great he, pitchers, but they just pitch. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a hint. This guy was actually really good until last year. Corbin? Yep. Oh, man. Yep, it was Corbin. He was the 68th ranked pitcher in yep. fan tracks, but he was 115 in the NFBC format. And that's um, that ERA settings that for the, you know, the NFBC, which is, you know, kind of mirroring ERA, and fan tracks just doesn't care. Fan tracks is a volume. It's, um, yeah. it's, a, fan tra- it's a numbers game. It's, yeah. um, qu- it's quantity over quality in fan tracks, I think. Oh, that's, that was good. Um, the, next, the next player that's inside the top 100 – um, I guess it's the like, same idea. And I, I didn't even look at this until now. It's inside the top 100 in fan tracks, but biggest fall off into NFBC is Frankie Montas. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that. You, then, you, we could have guessed to the cows come home. I wouldn't have gotten that. Next guy who's actually a top 100 pitcher is Kyle Gibson, 97. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find somebody that was, I'm trying to find somebody that was really, that was actually like a good pitcher. Like somebody, maybe I'll look in the top 50 in, in fan tracks. Um, Okay, here's the first player that was a top 50 fan tracks pitcher, but, it, but had the biggest gap. Do you want to guess? He was Zach top Plesek? Close, same team. Not Carlos. Nope. No? Sivali. Oh. He was thir- 37 in fan tracks, 57 in uh, NFBC in the race. Not enough strikeouts maybe for the NFBC? I'm trying to think what. Well, he had, he, he had a bad ERA because he had that last start that yeah. just blew, okay. blew up. No, it was all that last start, I think. Um, yeah. So, I, and another thing I've noticed here is that relief pitchers are way more valuable on a rankings basis, and, and this, is, this is based on total overall points, than uh, in, in the NFBC. Because, right. um, because I think it's because quality starts. They're not getting, they're not getting anything in fan tracks for quality starts. That's yep, definitely part of it. That's and part of it, but that's not, that's not a big part of it. I think it's – I think it's mostly because it's a volume game and they're, they, they'll earn you more based on ratios and they're not going to get you the strikeouts. And I think on the NFBC, like, you know, it's volume, but you do require, you know, like we were saying, those, those scrubs <laughs> who are doing well on fan tracks, like you have to have quality volume in the NFBC for it to be valuable. And it's, I think it's easier to do that at relief pitcher than it is at, at starting pitcher because they're just generally better pitchers you know they end up taken, you've taken a lot of um i see you take a lot of relief pitchers in the in the fan tracks formats yeah I, um, some of that's just like i don't feel great about like starting pitchers and i post about this the other day like the guys who are going off the board like after around uh, 100 to kind of like you know 150 like there's a gap of pitchers i'm just not that interested in and so I t- i've been going relief pitcher there um just because I feel good about those guys having a job, you know, and that they're good pitchers. So even if they lose the job, like I'll still get value from them. Right. Even if it's not the value I would have drafted, you know, at, at pick 125 or whatever. Right. I think the, op- the opposite way um, 
Like if we look at the opposite for pitchers, you're going to get all relief pitchers. Like I, I was going to ask you that question, but like if you look at the top gainers in NFBC, there's only yeah. very, there's very few of them. Like it's the NFBC gainers are your typical. It's like it, it's your it's your bucket of guys that um, are your Kyle Hendricks, your Keuchel's, just pretty typically your non-strike, your boring guys, right? Are going to be more valuable in these best ball formats in the NFBC than they are in fan tracks. But um, Marquez, like you mentioned, was is a darling. Um, so second part of the trivia uh, that I'm putting in the spot for same thing for hitting. So who do you think is the um, most um, a hitter that's in the top 100 in fan tracks? that had the biggest drop off in the NFBC. So you'd think it's someone that walks a lot, right? Because he's not was getting those. Reese Hoskins? No, it's not. Not, this is, we're just, we're just talking 2020. Just um, 2020. I'm just, I just did it for 2020. So if Hoskins, you know, he might've been up there for 2019. Um, well, I don't know if I'm, I don't even know if I have a guess. It's not embarrassing. It's on a per game. It, I did it on a, on a per game basis. So this guy, he, he barely, he had a bad year. He had a, he had a, he had a down year um, in 2020 um, compared to 2019. He was 91st ranked player in, um, in uh, fan tracks, but he was 212 in the NFBC. So he had a huge drop off. Jeez, that's a big jump. But I'll give, I you, say, I'll give you another hint. But that drop off, he probably he, he, he might have made up for that drop off at least slightly in his great position flexibility in the NFPC. Yeah, he had all the infield positions except for shortstop. <laughs> Still does. Man, I don't know if I got it. That's not Isaiah kind of. <laughs> no, no, it's not him. It's um, Dodgers guy. Chris Taylor. Max Muncy. Max Muncy, really? That big a difference? Yep. And the, the, the second biggest difference, and it was on the agenda, was Yellick, just because he had a bad year. Yeah. He, he, he was 62nd in the in Fantrax, 164 in NFBC. And then if you want to look at the next guys are Votto and Olsen. Are the next, that makes sense, yeah. The next uh, biggest ones. And I'm trying to find someone in the top 50. Biggio, obviously, was a big difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't make the top. He was 51st in in fan tracks, but 109 in NFBC. And that comes through in drafts too. He, he definitely is going, you know, ahead in fan tracks this year than, than uh, NFBC. Okay. Here's, oh, here's your boy. So the guy, the guy is in the top 50. Here's the first guy in the top 50 that had the biggest drop off in the NFBC. He was 20, the 22nd ranked player in um, fan tracks, but the 56th ranked player in NFBC. You said him all right. He was your first guess actually. Reese? Yeah. 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 He's one of those. He, yeah. He is definitely a fan track darling. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, um, finish it off with the opposite way around. You'll, you're not going to, you're not going to get the, um, <laughs> the, the opposite way around. Uh, it's Jose Iglesias was a top 100 player oh, in, um, in the uh, fan track setting or sorry, in NFBC, he was a 64th ranked player. And I think in my notes, I was saying that, um, you can get away with um, less volume in NFBC because it, it, it banks on ratio. So guys like, and you'll see this, he was yeah. number one. Number, I'll, I'll read you number three through five because I want to make, I want to get, I want to see if you can guess the number two player. It's kind of a fun player to guess um, that had that was most that was um, had the biggest variance between, um, in favor of the NFBC uh, settings. So three through five were Dickerson, Mountcastle, and Baum. So that just goes to show you that. 
like on a even on a per game basis, just players mm-hmm. that didn't get as like they didn't get your the volume, but even on a per game basis, um, uh, I don't I don't even know if that's true, but they were it's they were they were the most valuable um, on the NFPC and 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 lost the most um, in on fan tracks. That's a nuts list. So who, who do you think was number two? Number two. The, the, the play, and I'll, I'll, let's, let's see if I can get to him here. Where is he? Okay, there he is. He was second. He was a 65th ranked player in the NFBC, but his ranking fell to 126 on fan tracks. What's his positions? He is okay. one position. He is second base. Second base. And it's an interesting, it's a very interesting player for the 2021 season in, in a certain way. He is he is a one of a kind. He is definitely a one of a kind hitter in 2021. One of a kind hitter. I feel like I'm. People are yelling. All three people still listening are yelling. Yeah, all the, the, all, the account, all the accounts. All the are yelling. All the CPAs. They, yeah. They've got it. They've got this already. They're like oh, I'm gonna lose my CPA. He is the only hitter I believe we can say this about in the 2021 season. He's got a. He's got a characteristic. Gosh. That characteristic is he will not be playing any games. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really, Cano? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would never have got that. That's a great tidbit. I like that. Yeah. Um, is there, now, if we can go to, let's find the first player in the top 50. Let's just try that. End it off here. Let's try, let's try to find a player in the top 50 in NFBC. Ugh. Really? Willie Castro, 37th in the NFPC on a point. It's on points per game. Hmm. He had a nice, he had a nice little run. Yeah. He had some stolen bases too, right? Yep. I'm just going to bump in there. There's one. That's, this one makes sense. 39 in NFBC, 61 in fan tracks, Dominic Smith. Yeah. That one makes sense. All right. Um, let's move on. Um, we talked a bit about the, the the nuances between the different formats, and this is, I guess, a way that maybe if you're if you're caught up on this, you, you can, it's a slight it's a slight advantage that you can you can take with you into into the NFBC draft because uh, maybe some people that are really accustomed to fan tracks aren't really looking into this and nerding out as much as the CPAs are. <laughs> when you um, have to, like you can't roll. It's not like five by five where where five by five means the same thing everywhere. Like best ball just doesn't, and you no. got to you have to put that in your brain or you're going to, you're going to be drafting, you know? Yeah. Forward. And some people don't like certain formats. Like I heard um, Johnny L is just, he's like, I can't get behind the, um, the, the BB tents. I yeah. think he was saying that because he just, uh, he's like, he's like, he doesn't count walks. He's like, I, he's, he's just like, I can't do it. Um, <laughs> now, another thing I heard uh, on Brian's podcast and uh, I've listened to all the episodes. It's, again, I'll say it's really, it's a really great podcast. Um, anyone listening to uh, this should yeah. be listening and, and you have any interest in best ball, listen to the best ball exclusive with Seymour. Um, one of the things that he said, another thing, I love the podcast, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just um, because most of the things he says are amazing and I agree with, but I'm just pointing out the things. There's very few that I disagree with. Another thing is when he talked about stolen bases of Johnny Allen, he said that he, or John said that, I think it was John or Brian said that I ignore stolen bases, but I think that's a fallacy because a stolen bases are more predictable than home runs. I think it's a decision. Um, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong on that, but, um, I'd say the guy, like the stolen base you're getting from those, like the studs up top, like your Bichette's, the, the Lindor's, like 
they're significant. Um, like I don't agree to ignore the solar base. I think they're 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 definitely a part of both of like Fantrax and NFBC. I think they need to be considered. Yeah, I think that the you know you, you almost amend the statement like you can ignore rabbits, like you can ignore guys who are just getting steals. Like right, okay. But, yeah. but, but these guys at the top who are getting you home runs plus they're throwing in some stolen bases and like I feel like and I think I've heard somebody say this. Maybe it was Todd Zola who said it. Like stolen bases can come in bunches, which for best ball is great because like. You know, you're, you're playing, a, you know, a guy goes into a weekend against a scrub catcher and, you know, he gets four stolen bases that weekend. Like, that's huge, you know, and, and, and you're perfectly fine to get those bunches because it's a weekly scoring format. So, like, um, I think that's something that, you know, that you so can. So, that obeyed you all over um, VR last year because he's facing Syndergaard bunch? Uh, my only concern with VR was, was playing time. Like, I just, right. like, you know, yeah. I worry about that. I didn't, I didn't have any of him either. I had a lot of Mondesi. Like, more than I wanted to, um, you know, some of it was just cause <laughs> this might not be good. I auto drafted a couple times, I got busy <laughs> a few times. And like, I just end up with Montessi He'd be the highest ranked player because of the Roto ADP. Right. But like he's a, he's a guy who I think like in, you know, depending on, you know, how you, you know, the short stuff's so deep. I, I'm not, I'm probably not going to have much of him this year, but I think he's a guy where you could have some benefit because he's going to get those bunches of steals and home runs as long as he keeps having a job. Okay, I'm looking at him, his rankings on a per game basis, and this is just tripping me out. He, I'm, I'm trying to like, my, I'm trying to rationalize this right now. Maybe you're just not thinking the right thing. He's ranked higher on on fan tracks. I would never have thought that because he doesn't walk at all. But, what, but he's not getting hit for the batting average. I think is probably is that probably might be it. Then yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, that's that's how my brain wraps yeah. around it. So that's that's actually I, I wouldn't have guessed that, but yeah, it makes sense. Um. But yeah, so, I agree with you. I don't think you can ignore steals. Like they need to be part of your projection system. They need to be flowing through. They score. They score. You get points for them. So, right. I'm just, I'm just ticking off all the questions we've talked yeah, yeah. about. Now, speaking of Odyssey, um, I've talked on a on a road, on a podcast when we talked about the draft champions leagues and drafting Odyssey. You really have to draft around that. So your strategy, right. like you're, you have to draft your team around Odyssey. So your whole the whole world changes when you draft Odyssey. It's yeah. sort of like it's like you can have you can write a book on fantasy baseball, and then you can write another <laughs> book on fantasy baseball drafting uh, Alberto Mondesi. In now, maybe to a lesser extent, that these best balls, um, in particularly, uh, I'm talking about the 50-50s because you need more safety, and mm-hmm. I believe um, the uh, I don't know what format I don't know if it, what format, but DJ LeMay. He's yeah. got like in the second round, he's sort of like going in that same range. Like he's got the, just the position flexibility on the NFBC format. Um, in the 50-50 format, because he's a very safe player. Um, does that, like how much does that push him up? I know we talked about that. We couldn't yeah. quantify it, but maybe we can just discuss it a little bit. So I think I will be an outlier on this. I will probably not own a single share. Um, he has that eligibility, which I think, you know, if you want that flexibility, I think it's great. I was looking... Like on my, you know, right now on my valuation sheet, like he's like a, a top 40 player um, and he's going to go in the second round in almost all these drafts. So like, I think I've got him in, I don't remember the exact number, but it was in the, it was in the thirties. So, you know, was, but I want to say it was like mid thirties. So like, I will probably never have him because I think a lot of people are going to look at him and say, look, this eligibility is worth it. And, and I'm just not sure. And, you know, some of it is, 
I'm bad. If I can't quantify it, like I almost want to pretend like it's not like, I just want to ignore it. Like I, you know, cause I can't, I can't put a number on it and that's kind of a, you know, but so I'm not sure. I know I've heard other people say you jump a guy around because of the eligibility. So if you do that, then that kind of jives. I just don't think I'm going to do it. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, I did. I took him in uh, NFBC. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be on in on him or fan tracks. I took him in the NFBC. I took yeah. him in a 50, 50. I probably wouldn't be in on him in a, in a 10, in a 10 X just because and that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I forget what, I forget if it was a BB 10 or if it was, um, I think it was that hundred dollar. I think it was that double up. Uh, did, did I take him in that yeah. one? Yeah. So yeah, it was a hundred dollar double up with, because yeah, because, yeah, because you have a court, you have corner and middle in that right. too. So yeah, so he's that's playing that, everywhere. That, <laughs> so that, 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 he sort of checked yeah. all the boxes. He's got, yep. he's got the NFBC format. He's got the, uh, he's got the, um, uh, it's the, it was the 50, 50, not the, not the one where you need right. more upside and you got the core and you got more positions to fill. So he seemed more valuable. I took him there. Um, I think I took him at like 19. I think he was on one of your, like the, in, in one of the spreadsheets he posted, just like the, uh, I think I might maybe set the mid pick on him in that format. Well, obviously. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. But at I, that, that point there was one draft, but. In BB 10s, he's going right around there too. He's going in the first two rounds. Like I don't think, I, I don't think I'd be, I don't think I'd be, I wouldn't have taken him in, in the BB 10s there. It's not as necessary, right? You don't need no. that. I don't feel like you need that flexibility of a guy going in all those different positions. Like you right. do. Where you, has he gone in our draft yet? That's a good question. We're. Where are we? It's paused. It's a four-hour clock, so we may not have hit there yet. Oh, well, we're yep. He just went twenty-second overall. Who took him? Uh, Fish. John Fish. Fish, Fish took him. Yeah. I, well, he took him. At, and this is this, couple picks. I don't even know what the payouts are. Is this a double up? No, no, no. This is the one fifty format, so it's a thousand dollars to first place. Oh, so Fish Fish made a terrible pick. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's awful. <laughs> I took him at 19, he took him at 22. What an idiot. Just uh, losing so much value there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, he's losing. Yeah. Um, all right, what's next on the list to talk about? What did I have here? Um, I know we wanted to talk about Seguro too. Um, yeah, yeah, because I was going to say that, that that is something you brought up. And I, you know, you said it when we were talking through the draft originally. Um, we were talking about Segura, and I was complaining because you took him right before I was going to. Uh, or I, I thought about taking him. I was like, oh, I'll wait one more round. And you got him. And I thought it was a good spot because he has that second, third base eligibility. And right. I, and I, was, I was sort of hurting on third base because I forget who I had, but I think I had a guy I wasn't super confident with as my starter. And I think that if you're going to take, if you're going to push a multi-eligibility guy up, like I, I'm not as interested in first, third. I don't know. There's not really even that many of those guys. I mean, Baum is one of them. Uh, Heimer Candelario. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm more interested in getting those guys that cross over middle and corner or outfield and middle outfield and corner, because yeah. I, I think you're just getting more benefit there. It um, just, it's basically just math, right? Like yeah. there's, there, there could be a mathematical, mathematical formula to, to prove that probably that I don't know, but I'm sure that is. And another thing about Segura is he's going to, he's probably going to get shortstop eligibility. Right. Um, assuming, yep. assuming what the roster, assuming no trades or they don't pick somebody up. Yeah. They don't get the door. Right. That, that, that would really foil that. But um, as of now, like he, I think he was one he was almost really close to getting, he was really close to getting shortstop eligibility yep. already. Uh, he just missed it by a game or two or something like that. Um, but yeah, that, I think you hit on my next point there, but the position eligibility just like across, like just um, 
Intra, I'll call it intra corner. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what the word is. But, you know, you're, you're, it, uh, yeah, I'll make. I'll make myself sound smart. Bomb had has intra corner uh, flexibility. Well, Segura has um, <laughs> in, inter corner. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah. So we talked about um, the quality starts. I don't know. Like I still don't know how much to um, like the fan. Like just going back to some of the differences. Um, quality starts and fan tracks. Um, their scoring accounts for it. NFBC doesn't account for it. Two of the teams I've really, um, I've looked at quality starts and two of the teams that really suck at it are the Tampa Bay Rays, as you'd expect. Um, Snell had no quality starts last year, yep. zero. Um, and Toronto, like even the year before, um, they were like, I think, well, I think it was either this year, but like Roark was terrible at it. And um, like, even if you look, even if you go back last year, Robbie, like Roark and, Roark and Ray were both were two of the worst ones yep. this year. And even if you go back to last year, Chase Anderson was terrible. Like Jay's, I don't know, just because maybe the division. They're, they're it doesn't help. Bad. They have bad pitchers. Like, yeah, like, they do. That's true. And, and they're interested. They're, they want to bring back J.A. Hat. Please yeah, do right. not do that. You already right. have the right-handed, terrible version of J.A. Hat, which is Tanner Roark that you yeah. signed for an extra year. No, thank you. Please. Let's just run it back. Let's just run it back. Yeah. But, so I did actually look at this as quality starts. The way I approach it, because you're, you know, you know, fan graphs, none of the fan graphs projections are going to include quality starts. Um, what I tend to do um, is I will use early in the season, because there are a couple places if you pay for projections that will do quality starts. Um, but I, early in the year, I do sort of like a, a kind of a three-year regression of quality start rate. I just look at all players' starts and say, well, how many of their starts were quality starts? And, um, you know, each, you know, the most current year is going to be the most valuable. It's a little different for 2020, but um, and just say, okay, you know, Jacob DeGrom, 75% of his starts over the last three years were quality starts. Boom. Then I'm going to project 75% of this year's starts as quality starts. For perspective, looking at the last three years of Snout, it was more like 40%. Like, you know, so it's a pretty big difference. Less than half his starts, which is really low if you look at where he's getting drafted. Like the rest of those guys are going to get a much higher rate of quality starts than him. Um, and 2020 is obviously bringing that down because – it was zero. Um, yeah. So that's my approach. It's not like super great, but if people aren't projecting it, it's better than nothing. Uh, 2020 was so, a weird year too, because of guys yeah. like Bueller and, and Flaherty, they wouldn't, they weren't really getting their piece of the pie for quality starts. Like they probably yeah. would. So I didn't weight it as strong as I normally would. Um, so that's something I do do. I do throw quality starts and projections in the, uh, the one uh, uh, spreadsheet that I sell um, because if you're not projecting them, you know, on fan tracks, and I think I, I do think you're you're missing some value there. What's your starting point for those projections? Just the the actual last years, the last couple of years of data, and then uh, no, I use uh, so generally I'm not going to start putting projections. Once Steamer comes out, I'll take Steamer and then I'll combine a couple you know a couple other projections, and that's where I start for projections. For the for the quality starts, I use the last couple of years worth of data because nobody's really projecting it. But for act for the rest of my projections, I'm I'm not building my own because I'm I'm just not that smart. Um, how much and then how much do you rely on projections once once we get like closer to the draft season uh almost exclusively so yeah. I, i'm a believer that like if i don't like where a guy's at like then my you know if i don't like if i disagree with the projections then i'll just, you know like and i feel like there's a legit reason i'll change the projections most of the time if i disagree with the projections that you know what my what my system spits out it's playing time it's i think the guy's going to play more and, and then and the system does there's some rare examples it mostly happens with pitchers i feel like you know, hitters, I'm usually pretty in line with every now and again, like I'm going to 
like Zach Plesek as an example, probably higher than what the, well, as is everyone, um, higher than what the projection systems are going to spit out for him. Right. Um, I think I was that way with Zach Gowan last year. You know, and again, I wasn't alone. That's not, it's not a, not a bold call or anything, but um, I think I tend to be that way with pitchers a little bit. But for the most part, I'm going to try and stick to those projections. Using the projections, how do you use your projections to dis- to make drafting decisions on um, that aren't just projection driven? And yeah. maybe you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. how how do you use them to say I'm going to now take a pitcher here instead of an outfielder? So I do. I'm a firm believer in doing like you know full on. Um, dollar value evaluation. So, you know, I do replacement value for, for pitchers, you know, in, in BB tens, it's just pitchers and hitters, basically, you know, it's catchers simpler. So like I have a, 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 you know, a grand list of every player where I think they're at. Um, you know, so I know if my next you know best player, if you will, is a, is a pitcher or hitter. Now that said, anybody who's within a couple bucks of each other, like they're all viable for that draft. So then at that point, then I'm starting to look at roster construction um, I'm looking ahead to see where I like where I think I can find value later. Um, you know, and a lot of people have different terms. Uh, honey pocket was that the was that the uh, um, yeah, honey hole? Honey hole, honey yes. hole. Like I learned that I learned that um, from Ray Butler. He was on the podcast. I've never heard that term before. No, I can't say I've heard that, but I think I, you know. I, I think that that is you know you're kind of looking ahead to see okay well, where's the spot where I think I can pick up some some excess value. And so I'll use that. Okay, well, I need to take a picture here because I think that there's going to be outfield value later, um, things like that. So that's maybe just more volume based. As I do more drafts, I feel I get a better feel for where those spots are. Um, and then I'm also because I'm a volume drafter, um, I'm looking at ownership percentages, and I don't want to be too heavily invested in certain types of players, um, especially early pitchers. Like I want to have a, a decent mix of early pitchers because I don't want you know, one you guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something that's unique to when you play a bunch of best balls, because, you know, if you play other leagues, um, number one, you're not going to play enough of them to really, I think for that to really matter. Like, you right. know, um, but when you're unless talking, you're, playing, unless you're real sick, unless you're crazy, which yeah, some like, people are, I mean, I did like a hundred leagues last year. So, yeah, I mean, like you start talking about getting into the, you know, creeping up on a hundred, you know, 120 best balls, like, you don't want to be over invested into a you know an early player. You know you want to be over invested in a guy in the you know the thirtieth round. That's fine, uh, but you know you don't want to be over invested early. Right, that, that makes sense. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to ask was like, say you're you're working backwards in a fan like you're in a fan checks draft, and say it's a twelve team league, and like you're saying like when we talked at first, you, you probably have like. In, on your standard team, you probably have three of each of the infield positions uh, filled. Mm-hmm. And you look at like, okay, let's each team, each team should have three. So you're going right. to you know, three times, three times 12 teams is 36. So you look at the 36, like in the 36 range of the second baseman and you're like, Oh, well, 36, 37th ranked second baseman. I like them a lot more than the, um, um, the 36, 37th ranked um, first baseman, which could be true or false, but I have this question down to ask you, but now after talking to you, I'm, thinking you probably are going to say, and I'm just guessing here, that it's not going to matter to you that much because you're going to say that um, those players aren't going to really get you anything that much anyways. Or they're not that good players. I, I mean, I, I think it matters in that, like, I want value from those spots. 
Um, my question, my question is more of like, how do you use, how do you use that in terms of your drafting strategy? Do you, do you kind yeah. of work backwards from there in your strategy? I probably work up a little bit farther. Like I'm not necessarily looking all the way at the, like, I mean, I have a pre, uh, replacement value. So like the 37th is what I'm, you know, the 37th, you know, uh, uh, second baseman, like I'm using that to calculate my dollar values for players. So like it's worked in that way, but from like a drafting strategy standpoint, I'm probably more concerned about what my second, second baseman looks like than I am my third second. If that makes so like, yeah, that makes if, sense. You know, if so I you, like, you have to use sort of like a hybrid strategy between taking, yeah. taking the replacement yeah. value of the 37th player right. and then taking the replacement value each time ta- in each of your next, like each of the next players. So you have to kind of look at both, right? Yeah, because I think, you know, when you talk talking about replacement value, a lot of those guys are just so close together in value, right? I mean, they're just, you know, the difference between hitter, you know, second base number 30 and second base number 36, like, there's just not that much. But I think when you start talking about, like, the, the 15 to 20, like, you can see some very different values. So I'm more concerned about, I might look more at that and go, hey, based on where I see the middle of this range, that might dictate how I have a strategy, you know, the whole draft. Right. Um, Right. Cool. Um, I think we've actually moved through this agenda quicker than I thought we would. Um, Talk about a lot of stuff. One, one thing. Well, I think the only thing. Uh, actually, we you know, there's one thing I had to start. Um, Go ahead. What, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say we were talking about um, diminishing returns of. That's exactly what I meant. That's exactly the thing I had started. Yeah. So um, why don't I? Um, why don't I? Um, yeah, tee that up. Man. I'll tee that up for you. So I'm like <laughs> adding, and I mean, this this is on the agenda. So I'm just reading verbatim. Um, trying to get better. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get better and, and uh, doing your work, work on the delivery. So I have it all written out yep. for me. So I could be yep. more a Seymour esque. Uh, so right. um, adding players with position flexibility has uh, diminishing marginal returns. There comes to a point where you have say, for example, four eligible players at second base, adding a fifth player is more valuable than adding a sixth example. Like for example, there comes a point in the draft where you're giving a player position uh, where you're giving um, position flexibility bump to a player uh, and maybe that's not really you're just basically overvaluing the position mm-hmm. flexibility so the, the question is there's diminishing marginal returns as you draft more and more um, dual eligible players 100 like I, you don't need every single person on your roster to have that multi-position eligibility because you just it's just wasted and i do think like i think the cliff for that is probably a lot sooner in the draft than maybe it seems like it should be like, I, I think once you start getting into, like, maybe after round 15, um, once you start getting, yeah, maybe maybe 20, once you start getting past your starters, I think you're starting to lose some benefit of that because, like, it doesn't matter how flexible the player is if they're not going to be one of your best players every week. Like, you know, so, you know, it, it doesn't matter if your, your third, third baseman can play everywhere on the diamond if, like, you never – like, it's never a good thing if that player plays. Right. It could be better off just taking the best third baseman as opposed to one who is more flexible. Right. No, I, that makes sense. So you, you're, you're on board with that, with that yeah, um, theory. Yeah. And, and I think you were the one that pointed it out. And when you said it, I was like, that makes a ton of sense. Like that just, yeah. Yeah. A little economics for you mm-hmm. from, from the accountants. Yeah. That's right. Just uh, trying to lose more and more listeners. I mean, are they, are they here? No, they I get a prize. So. If they're still here, they get a prize. Who's, who do you think still listening? Like it's probably just Brian. Like, Brian's still here. Brian's still here. Yeah. Maybe Fish. Fish is probably tuned out after the. Um, I'll make my wife listen to all the way through. After here. he's probably tuning out right. Now. Fish is probably tuning out right now. I think yeah. like right now there might there might be like five minutes left. Fish is gone. 
but actually fish to stay because um, we're going to talk about, we'll probably end off just talking about the draft room a little bit, see how it's, yeah. see how it's changing out. But there's one other things, uh, one, other, one other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, and I'll, I'll put um, this, I'll put you a little bit on the spot here is um, I, I want to talk about a player that I'm sort of, I'm sort of lower on than the industry. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people uh, sort of talk him up um, and it's a player that is, is generating a little bit of helium. And, and generally I, I find that people are liking him and he's going earlier this year, last year, his name's Lance McCullers. Um, oh, oh, what? I'm with you. Go. I, I, I don't want him. Yeah, especially preach. where he's going and then you know fish fish better listen because he loves him i've been in a bunch of drafts for fish and he's taking him all over the place he's probably going to take him in this draft um but i don't worry i'm not going to take him um and i was listening to a podcast the other day and i'll just um call him out um, you put him on blast sure it doesn't matter because uh, they're they're great they're great, no great. i love okay. the work it's um sleeper in the bust and uh, oh, yeah. alex fast on the show and he was talking about um they're i think they're talking about pictures they like and he was saying mccullers he, he liked mccullers and what he did mention was um, his ERA was 3.93 this year. And he said he had that one blow up against Arizona. And uh, if you take that out, his ERA would have gone to um, 2.80, just taking out that one start, small season. Um, but I got to thinking like, yeah, you can start nitpicking at these things. But McCullers, like, like maybe he's a better best ball guy, but I, I, I take him in best ball more than you're shaking your head no. No, I don't know. I take Isn't, him. I take him in basketball before I would take him in DCs. I, I might take him in the in these deep roster best balls just because when he does get hurt, like you, like there's another person to take. But like, if you just look at his playing time, like I don't, like I don't understand how in a league that's deep you can feel good about taking a guy that if you're projecting him more than 120 innings, like I, that Dusty is Baker. Like I mean, you could say, like yeah, but Dusty like would would play guys like to their detriment but you know when their arms fall off like they had to come off the field right like yeah I, and i feel like dusty's come off that like i mean that's a big He's the next mark Pryor. like yeah like, i don't know i mean you know mark Pryor wasn't broken before dusty got to him was he right was not, not that i know of was awesome right so like you know lance is you know and oh, sorry, that's, a, that's a sore thought a sore spot for you are you a cubs fan or no, stuff. no, no. Thankfully, I'm I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to uh, teams. I don't, oh. um, you know, uh, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that sore spot. Thankfully, but I have lots of friends, and it's a we don't talk about it. You know. So what I what I looked at with McCullers is I said, okay, yeah, sure, you can take off that one start, and his ERA looks goes from three point nine three to a pristine two point two point eight zero. But guess what? He also faced the Rangers and the Giants in two separate mm -hmm. starts, where he just crushed them. Seven innings, no runs, both those starts, both terrible teams so and if you take if you take out those two starts instead of taking out that one bad start his area goes to 5.27 now his era his actual era this year was 3.93 his actual era in 2018 he didn't play in 2019 was 2.3.86 so he had a very he's very consistent in his era why because he's very he's very he has a very consistent era because he's very inconsistent he has those great starts and he has those terrible starts so if you if i went back to his 2018 season again he had three starts where he walked more than five people, five or more batters. He also had three starts where he gave up six or more earned runs. So he, he has those blow-up starts. He, he, gave up, he had a game where he had six earned runs, seven earned runs, and eight earned runs. And guess what? If you take away those three starts from his um, – if, if you just take away those three starts from his uh, 2018 season, guess what? He erased 2.63. So guess what? If you take away the – like, if you look at 2020, take away that one-bat start – ERA is 
Go back to 2018, take away those three bad starts, longer season, DRA is 2.63. Yeah, you can, you can do that, but he's just, I don't, I don't, you're always going to have those, you don't, you're never going to know when to play him. I don't think he's going to be a consistent pitcher. He's going to probably have an ERA around four, 4.25, and like you're saying, might get hurt. Um, and, and another small point I'll note from this year, um, he had, um, zero, they're talking about his ERA, he had um, 24 um, uh, earned runs and 29 runs a lot. So he had a lot of unearned runs, and you know those unearned runs, they're not all not your fault. <laughs> um, so it seems like you're agreeing with me that you're off, you're off, you're off McCullers yeah. with me. Um, I will have a share. Neither will I, probably. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'll have a share either. Is there, I mean, yeah, is, I shouldn't is there, say that. There's a chance. <laughs> there's a ch- I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, um, right. Is there, is, there, is there a pitcher? Yeah, say is there a pitcher that like, seems to be like the darling of ever like, like getting talked up? There's a bunch of pitchers that are getting talk, talked up. Like you got your Gosman. I'll give you an example there. Is there somebody that's, that everyone seems to like that you're just like, no, I'm out? I don't know that there's somebody who people like that I'm out like based on talent. Just because, like, you know, pitching – like, Gossman's a guy, like, yeah, I, I like, Gossman would be good. Like, it, you know, but, like, 60-game season is perfect for a guy like him. Just like I think it was 60-game season was perfect for a guy like McCullers. Like, these guys who, like, they haven't shown they can do it over 150, let alone, hundred you know, 180. Um, like, I'm just not going to be in on those type of guys. I would say that the thing where I'm most out that I'm already seeing, and it kind of drives me a little crazy, is, like, People are like, well, when, when can I draft, you know, these guys coming back from Tommy John? And, you know, my answer is, you can't. Like, you, like, like, you know, especially in draft and hold type formats or, you know, best ball, any of these where you, you can't add and drop players. Like, you know, you're talking about paying for half a season of a guy who's going to be, you know, three quarters of his normal self. Like, when you start doing those percentages, it's like, well, what are you really drafting? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's like that, you know. And obviously, since I do the injury stuff, that's kind of a pet, you know, maybe bothers me more than it bothers most people. But like, um, you're drafting those kind of guys. I just, I don't, I don't, you know, I know upside is a thing and, I'm, and, I, and, and I get it. I'm just not chasing. Like, I don't think that juice is, you know, that's, uh, that uh, fruit is worth the, the squeeze to, you know. I've sprinkled some of them in. A metaphor. I've sprinkled some of them in, the draft champions. I don't know if I've, I could have maybe had one or two of them in. And draft chances, yeah, those are 50, 50 rounds? 50, 50 rounds. I think mm-hmm. I took, like, I think I got Syndergaard at, like, pick 350 once. And I was okay with that. Um, because, I think we – I don't know. Because, like, are, you're, taking, you're taking a prospect earlier. You're taking like – I'm, like, I'm thinking – somebody's taking um, – in, in one of the drafts, Mike the Mouth, I'll, I'll put him on blast. He took Mackenzie Gore at, like, two – early 200s. And I'm like, wow. And then I, I'm getting Syndergaard at, like, 100 picks later. Or whoever um, I forget if it was Syndergaard, but it could have been one of those guys. So I'd like I'd rather take the discount uh, on the, those guys because they're probably going to be pitching the same amount of innings, and they're both very talented. And one thing that is different, you know, as I, I have to remember, like because I play one format, like I play I play best ball, and then I play some head to head points, um, which I'm sure will give me lots of cachet on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> everybody loves to bash those, but like um, because I, I don't play, <laughs> like uh, is that you know, not playing DC, like you're not going to, how often are you starting, like intentionally starting a guy, you know, you drafted in, in round 30 in a 50 round draft, like, you know, in a 15 team league, like you're, you know, if you are, you're hoping, like you're hoping not to, right. I mean, like, you know, I, I assume at some point, like, you know, 
um, or maybe 30 is not a good example, but you know, the deeper you go, like versus in best ball, like I'm expecting to get value from, from players, like all the way down to, to, to round 50. Um, because I don't have to guess when they're going to be good. You know, they just have to pop one week, you know, versus you're not going to catch that in a DC because you're not going to start, you know, you're not going to start him when you shouldn't. And, and he just, you know, and baseball happens. Right. Yeah. So, um, is there any questions on Twitter? Do we get any? Uh... Oh, I didn't look. Actually, I have some notifications here. I, good, good memory. Um, oh, yeah, we got some. Um, Brian, Brian, jumping Brian. in. Yeah. Do you want to read Brian's question? Out? Yeah, Brian wants to know um, if uh, Derek has dipped into BB10s, what is his opinion of them versus Fantrax? Uh, he's trying to get me. Tr- yeah, kind of covered to, that. Yeah, he's just trying to get me to to blast on the BB10s, getting in trouble with Greg. Uh, All right, I'm not going to do that. You're not. You're going to. You're going to take the fifth on that one. No, no. I I prefer fan tracks, but I will say this: I think the NFBC, the 50 round, like I'm I'm pretty into these. Um, this is only the second one, but like I think this is a good. Um, I think it's a good product. I, you know, as far as like the depth of it, I think you're going to start to get. Um, I think, you know, it's going to start, it, 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 it has some similarities to the fan tracks uh, leagues that I like, which is like, you're getting deep leagues. Um, you're still just having a single standalone leagues. So you're not trying to compete for an overall prize, but you're also getting good size prize pools, you know, as opposed to the BB tens, which like for the most part, you, you know, it's, you're struggling to get 25s and fifties filled over on the BB 10. Um, so you're stuck in huge prize pools. Right. And we got another question from governor of Givener. Um, he says, does Derek draft by projections this early in the draft season? Does he use them as a guideline or not at all? We kind of talked about that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. I'm, I'm using projections all draft season long uh, with varying levels of strictness as we get closer. So these questions tell me one thing. They tell me that I'm doing an excellent job hosting this podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm asking the That's questions right. that everyone wants to know. So what, listen to this podcast because I'm asking the questions that you all want to hear. Giving the people what they want, and and I'm and I'm working on my great podcasting voice. I'm trying to be as good as Brian. I'll never I'll never be I'll never have a voice as good as Brian. I, but I, but I'm but I'm trying to make up for it by asking good questions. Um, I, I did have one other thing on the agenda. If yeah. you wanted to talk about it, like late round guys, do you have any? Do you have any guys? Because that's, that's what a lot of people like that. We talk about yeah. that draft champions. Do you, like you don't have to because I know I don't want to talk about my late round guys yet. I want to just not sure. I, like, uh, I just don't think I have exciting guys. Like people like, you know, I, I draft boring guys. Like I want old guys with jobs, like, you know, or, or not good players on bad teams who are just going to play all year long. You're like a, you're like a playmate. You want to know old guys with jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a playboy. You're like a centerfold. Yeah, that's right. I, except for the wealthy part. I don't need that. Like, you know, they, they, oh, they probably, they, they probably got, oh, yeah. if, they, if, they played, if they played baseball in the I'll majors take, for a long time. Men's salary guys. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just don't like, I'm, I'm not going to have a lot of sexy sleepers on the back end of my rosters. Okay. All right. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll head off, but before we head off, let's uh, we actually, we got through this in an hour and a half. I was expecting a little bit longer based on the agenda I put together, but we, I think we, we, we did well. Um, do you want to take a look at the draft we're in right now that Robbie put together? Yeah. Or do you want to look at the draft that we did that we finished already? 
Um, I don't have that pulled up. What do you? No, let's the, look at. Let's just look at those first couple of rounds. I'm okay. curious to, to we were, talk. We're almost through the. We're almost through two rounds. Yeah. So first of all, actually, we we didn't. We were, I'd be remiss to mention this on this podcast being so fresh into this draft, but our dear friend Eric Cross, who we were all saying was going to draft <laughs> Soto, did not take Soto with the first overall pick. What the fuck happened there? Because if any format you're going to take Soto, it's this format, not the deep draft. Like not the like this. Soto is so much better in this format than he is in the draft than uh, the draft champions format. I think he's just saving him for his fan tracks best balls. I guess. Well, he. I guess Soto does. Uh, uh, Soto is better in the fan tracks. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me let me let me look that up while you while you maybe um, comment on some other things. Yeah. No. I. What's interesting is is a lot of people in this draft. I think it's the first time playing this format, and I mean this is the first time the NFBC has offered this style of league. So I think everybody's kind of feeling it out. Um, and so I think, you know, unlike, you know, your typical maybe Roto main event, like, I don't know that, you know, or even the DCs, like, I don't know that people feel really good about uh, where guys are going to go. Um, but it went, let me pull up the actual draft order here. Um, make sure. Yep, something happened in the football game. Nice. Cooper Cup is killing it. I got him in my high stakes league. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That a boy, Robert Woods is killing it too, which I don't really care about. But not as so, yeah. much. So going through the top of that draft, Tatis goes number one. Um, and then Acuna bets Soto. Were you surprised that his starting pitcher didn't go in those top four? Or did you, or did you uh, feel like that, that made no, sense? No, I wasn't surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. What about you? Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I, haven't, done, I haven't done enough of these. Yeah, that's the thing. I wasn't sure. Um, starting pitchers went the next three picks. So it went Cole, DeGrom, Bieber. And I mean, everybody has their own flavor of what order those guys should go in. Um, and then Mike Trout, I, I took Mike Trout at eight. Um, and I don't know about you. I'm, I'm not a super experienced guy with KDS. And so, I, you know, I'm, and, and especially with this format kind of still like, you know, trying to figure out where I want to be, but like eight, it was, wasn't my number one priority because I felt like there's eight guys I was okay with. Like that, that I would be were like, hey, they those top eight that went. Yes, or? they went the way I thought they would. Um, not not in the same order, but those were the eight players I thought I would get. One of those players at at spot eight, um, and I was hoping it was a hitter. I would have taken one of those pitchers, but I was kind of hoping for it to be a hitter, just because right. I think in this format I'd rather have the hitter there. I was kind of surprised Trout fell to eight when he was there. Like I wasn't upset. <laughs> yeah, in this in this format, like I wouldn't be surprised Trout falling to eight in the draft champions format. Sure. Sure. that many times even after eight but in this format um i was a little bit surprised to see him i'm, I'm not sure I, I don't remember where he went in our other draft that we that we already completed but uh, i was sort of surprised to see him show up there i think he went i think one of those starting pitchers fell a little farther in the other draft we were in um, but Perhaps. i could be misremembering yeah i don't remember i don't remember either so try to eight and then turner at nine yelich at 10 and then you're at pick 11 like we talked about you said you got so you, you felt good about getting Bauer there. Yeah, I like Bauer there. Um, I, pers- personally, I um, have Bauer as my number three starting pitcher. Okay. So I have him above DeGrom. Would you have taken DeGrom if DeGrom falls? The, like, let's say, let's say Bauer, let's say it's flipped. Are yeah, yeah, DeGrom yeah. There? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, just, just like a little, like injury-based, I feel yeah. like um, I'm probably very low on DeGrom. I say very low, you know, I'd still take him in the first round, 
um, just because of that. I think I feel like he has that little bit of injury risk more so um, than others yeah. in, in, uh, in, the, in, um, in the top four. Um, anybody? So Freddie goes at twelve. Any second round picks that surprised you? Um, well, Bichette went a little earlier than I expected him to. Um, nothing really surprised me here. I maybe Bueller. I don't know. I said Bueller would be the one, but again, you're talking a few spots. I think like I wouldn't. You yeah. Know, like if he if he went no. on the other side of the turn, I'd be fine with There's it. There's nothing. No, nothing really surprises me yet in, in this no, draft. It seems all pretty. It seems pretty standard. standard. Actually, I'd say of all the picks, the pick that surprised me the most, and I was happy about, was Francisco Lindor. Pick the, the first pick of the second round. So on the on the one two turn, he went Freeman Lindor. I was surprised Lindor went so early. And, and just from that, you know, shortstop, that's gonna that's gonna that might uh, not make that shortstop at the three four turn as as much fun. Mm-hmm. You start some of these guys getting pushed up a little bit. Yeah, pushed I, up, I, but like you know. It could it could come back to to prove what I said um, I guess wrong because we'll find out yeah because a lot of these shortstops are going off going off now like Bichette's going earlier than I thought Lindor mm-hmm. I don't think Lindor would have made it back around anyways but, no no yeah but uh, it, it'd go at some point but yeah um, I don't know um, do you want to compare it to the, the other uh, yeah we can pull that up real quick so Trout went number two right so there you go yeah I mean so you see a little difference there. Um, but then everything else, Bellinger, I took Bellinger in the first round, uh, which you know, is only a two-pick difference there. The yeah, Seager, Seager went right at the end of the second, which I guess surprised me a little bit, um, mostly just because of the depth of shortstop, not necessarily because Seager's, you know, not good. So you could probably see, you'll probably see JT remove to go um, pretty shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, yeah you got to think he's a third-round pick. Max Scherzer went in the third round in that draft. I will be surprised if he goes in the third round of this one. Yeah, or let's see. Yeah, like I see, yeah. he went before Bueller. He went before Luis Castillo. Yeah, um, yeah I just don't before, see that happen. No, I don't. You're right. I agree with that. Um, the one thing that me and you were sort of talking about in this first draft, this was the first ever NFBC like 50 round best ball draft, is we had a guy drafting from the four spot, and he was really reaching on position flex, position mm-hmm. eligibility. He drafted. Let's just go through this, like. He wasn't like at first he didn't focus on it at all, no. but he did one thing that he did do is he got both JT Romuto and this is an interesting team. He got both JT, JTR and Salvador Perez in mm-hmm. round three and six. And then he went on a run and he was kind of annoying me because he was taking some players <laughs> that I wanted um, um, that he didn't really, I felt, I felt that he didn't need them. He didn't deserve them because he had these positions right. already, right. but he had started been, what McNeil. Cause yeah, McNeil go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. McNeil. And then he takes a picture, but then he goes boom. Brian Hayes, uh, Jake Cronenworth, so, and then... Um, so those three of those four were very yeah. flexible. He went on another run with Schwarber and, and Candelario, like, and he just kind of, and David Fletcher, or sorry, not Schwarber, Candelario and David Fletcher. Um, they seemed like he just was jumping them just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it just, it kind of, it trickle effect, it kind of pushed, I feel like, a lot of them up just, you know, that much more. Yeah, um, I ended up I ended up taking a lot of the I ended up focusing on that a lot too. I I grabbed a couple of those guys. Well, I, this is a draft that I got DJ LeMahieu in the middle of the mm-hmm. second round. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I was, I was probably like looking back on it now. Would I have t- like I already I started with Cole, so I'm not really I wasn't really hell bent on getting like a Giolito or Flaherty or someone like right. that. Um, but should I like looking at the other hitters there? Like I could have gone Seager, Jose Abreu, um, like Alex. 
I'm, I was team six, right? Yeah, yeah, you're six. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, Is there a team that you like a lot from this draft? Um, let's see. I know it's a little tough to. It's tough. Well, I'm just looking through them. Like, like I sort of just write off teams. Like, if I, if I, when I, when people post their boards, I, I just sort of do it by process of elimination. Like, number one, like started with five hitters. Like, sort of like, okay, I'm not gonna pick that because I, I want. I'm looking. There's 12 teams. I could find one that's like almost mm-hmm. perfect. I think, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna eliminate mine because I'm just not gonna talk about it. Yep. Same. And then, and then um, let's look at where are you here? You are. A ten. Ten maybe. Ten. Um. My spreadsheet really liked Jung's team, to be honest. Like it, he came out pretty high. Yeah, that's the, that's the team that we were talking about. He yeah. he's a good player. But he he had like a multiple high high ranked uh, teams in the draft champions right. overall. So he's obviously a really good, really good player, and he's he's a shark. I actually didn't join one of the leagues because just because he was in it. <laughs> Not only is he a good player, but like he likes similar players to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that's like, the I, worst I feel so that's a double whammy so I just want to stay away from him um, yeah. but um, looking at what about you do you have, like I'm looking right now um, Jung was the big one and I like it was as the draft was going on I was like well dang I just like the way this team's put together um, I like the start of his team like the, the players he's getting near the end and you probably I think you like him because those the, he's getting those boring guys near the end yeah and that, like, that is yep John Lester though like is he retired yeah, I don't know if he has a job. Like so some of these guy. guys aren't guys that I would draft, but like I didn't mind where he went. But yeah, some of the, the you know, and obviously you start talking about rounds forty-five to fifty. Like, I like his, I like, uh, yeah, forward. I like his team. I like your team. Like, I like, I love that you got, I love where you got Alvies. Um, I love that a lot. And I told you the only, I probably maybe should have taken that. That maybe something I would have done differently. I would have if I didn't take if I didn't take DJ Lemayhu, they go had the first, second, third. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have taken – I ended up taking Xander Bogarts, which I like too, but I probably would have taken Albies there instead. Um, I just don't think my pitching's deep. In, like, you know – I love I, I love your I love your hitters. Like, I love your hitters. Like, yeah. Albies, Fr- Freeman, Freeman at 2.3, that's pretty crazy. I felt really Al- good about that. That's yeah. really good. Albies, like, the Freeman-Albies picks are really – I really like. And I like Lynn a lot. I like Burns where you got him. But, like, yeah, you don't have that SP, like that true SP1. But you have such yeah. good hitting, so did you make up for it? Like I like Mar- Mar- Marquez, like he's good, but he's not as good in, as the fan, the fan tracks formats. Um, right. At, at this point, I just started hunting innings because I I knew with with Burns and Carrasco, like I had a decent amount of innings risk, like at the top end of of you know like of guys who just like they just may not pitch enough. I don't know. I don't. I don't know his experience enough. You took a lot of like. I'm, and this is another thing that Brian's mentioned on his podcast. He just basically ignores relief pitchers. You don't do that. You have an opposite. No, I don't strategy. do that. No. So you you value them, but I, I just I don't know enough, so I I wouldn't be comfortable enough. I obviously wasn't because that's, I took the strategy trying to grab most most of the starters, but I wouldn't be like you grabbed a lot of. Like, and I'm, I'm not I'm, sure it's gonna work. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Like I, I'm I gotta, too early right now. Yeah. I have, I'm just I, like I said. I'm just bargain hunting right now, and yeah. and um, I feel more. I feel like it's less risky to take the stars. At least I know it's, yeah. like, it's a known commodity. I don't know, like, like are, like are these players going to be the closers for their team? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 do, I do. Yeah. Like your team, some of your team is like, definitely yeah. one that I like. Um, I like team 12. Yeah, I like those top four. Yeah, he went Bowers, he went, Story, Aaron. Except he fucked Tucker. it up. He fucked it up when he took VR and McCullers. Ooh. But VR got, doesn't have a job, right? Like No. Like – 
and I don't know how confident, like he's not a good enough player that he's definitely going to be a starter somewhere. Right. Like, yeah, I just, I could just see him being in a part-time, not, you know, not like a, you know, weak side role, but like, I could see him being 450 plate appearance kind of guy. Like, actually, I like Edmund Turnage team five. I like that team a lot too. But yeah. So no, it'll be interesting to see, to look back on these when we start to see more of these drafts and just see how, how much they change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and obviously to compare this uh, to the draft we're in right now. Do you have a, do you, do you have a favorite? Uh, actually, I won't ask you about this. Do you have a, do you have a favorite uh, start in our draft so far? Um, besides, besides your team, obviously you, you, you picked the players. I'm not even sure I love my time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. Yeah, be, be uh, unbiased. What team do you like the most um, besides your team? So it'd be interesting to see. There's just, there's just two picks. And, yeah, it's just two and, picks. And Eric Cross doesn't even have a second pick. Right, yet. and that's the thing. I, I, honestly, if he takes a hitter, I will, will probably like his team the most. I'm just – I'm leery of taking a, pitter, a pitcher. Like I, like, I know I said I would have taken one of those top three, but, like, just – if I just run off my spreadsheet, my values don't love taking pitchers here in these first couple rounds. Um, Why not? You, you think – it's, be, it, it's because of the – I have – I need to dig into it a little bit more, but when I just look at my replacement value, like – they're just stretched out so much that if you're not getting those, if you aren't getting a bunch of quality innings, you're not as valuable. But even the guys who are getting those quality innings, like the scoring just doesn't favor them as much as it favors the hitting. So like when I'm looking at it, it's like if you compare it to like a five by five roto, you have to get hitting category or pitching categories and hitting categories in a five by five roto in a points based, like it doesn't matter where your points come in. You just want the most points possible. So so when I run my replacement values, you know, I'm comparing Garrett Cole the way I do it is to the last pitcher drafted. You know, that's what that's what you would make sense. Yeah, that makes sense um, to me. And so when I do that, I'm just not getting a high valuation on these pitchers. Um, I need to dig. I'm you know, it's on my list to kind of dig in and go. Well, what's driving that? Because that is just you know, that's just my spreadsheet. You know, it's just punching in the numbers. Um, and so I'm going to take the guys that number one I think are more project. Like I'm more confident in their projection. And then number two, uh, who are less risky for, for, for injury. Um, so early I'm going to take picture and then I'll just pound, I'll just try and make it up in volume and just get a bunch of guys. Right. Um, I think I'd also so, want to, I'd, I'd want to look at that, but I'd also want to look at the, the, the Delta between the replacement value, like in the next couple rounds, because I think like you can't just look at the, the, the last, the last one, and, because you got to sort of build your team. Um, like if, 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 if Cole is excellent, more valuable than right. say um, Giolito. Yeah. Uh, but Giolito is, but, but, but Giolito is, is um, like really, really close to the next couple. Right. You kind of see where those tiers are, like where those groups of pitchers are. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, you got to find your, yeah. your honey hole. Yeah. Yes. And like those top three, I feel like have to take one of those if I'm there, like at eight, if I'm there and they're still there, like, and, and I'm personally a little worried. Uh, I've got Bauer a little lower until I know where he's at. Like, I'm just curious where he ends up. Um, not that he could, not, not for park reasons, but just for Bauer reasons. Like he's just a guy who, you know, he's fit well with some organizations and not fit well with others. So I'm just curious right. to see where he ends up. Um, I imagine he's a guy who may change a little bit. So I know I've waffled all around. Um, I probably, I think I like the Bieber Harper group. Um, just cause I, there's a lot of stability team. there. Um, yep. and like, I think there's, you know, I like Freeman Lindor. 
it's tough. I wouldn't necessarily have taken Lindor, but I also think that's a really good pairing. Um, those are two really good players. Uh, yeah. You know, and so. I'm probably, probably, I'm probably with you on that. If we take away like our two teams, mm-hmm. I would say the Bieber Harper team. I, I like the most. I agree. What would, what, know, what, what would, would he do? Right. Yeah. How could Eric top that team? Yeah. If he has Tatis, uh, the 1.1, who's left on the board? Who could he pair with Tatis that would make, that would, that would win your heart, Derek? He took a nice third baseman. There's a lot of third basemen out there. I think they're really good. Um, Bregman or Rendon. Mm-hmm. Let's see it. Could he, could he take any pitchers that would win you over? Yeah, I mean, I think Nola's got to go soon. Um, yeah. Nola will little, make him after me, I don't think. I've, I've got a like I've got a little bit of a gap between Nola and the next group. Derek Rose, thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on the show. It was great. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. I I, I was having a blast. I could have kept talking, but I know that, um, we can't. Um, Especially it'll be just us. You know. Yeah. It, well, it already is. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Doctor Ho, like the infomercial. Yes, that's Don't, right. No. no. Um, Dr. Hoa three on Twitter and actually on um, NFBC as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I try and use my my handle everywhere Keep you know, it consistent. hashtag brand you know yeah you have the same password for all of your that's exactly exact, exact, it's, yep, your, it's yep. your banking password and your that's right. everything like that um, uh, and Jack, check out it check out his injury timeline tool yep. that's that's fantasy sports.com is where the injury stuff is yep just a guy fantasy sport that's where it is it's where it's linked to that's your website i'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be growing and then also check out that check out your twitter account you probably find everything on on through that um, and also the, um, the tool that you have um, that you're, you're marketing right now, talk, uh, just uh, remind everyone about that. Yeah, so that's just a Fantrax-specific best ball tool. It's great for people who either haven't played the format or who are not great with spreadsheets and just looking to take things a little next, you know, just kind of add another layer of skill to what they're doing. It's five bucks. I try to make it very affordable. It's not a complicated tool, but it can help you uh, track your draft, organize your draft as you're moving on. Uh, it's all web-based, so... Um, definitely check that out. So for, it's my first year doing that. So, um, but yeah. Right. All right. Well, thanks very much. Um, I appreciate, I appreciate taking the time and uh, you and a bunch of the guys like Brian are really getting me into this best ball for better or for worse. So I appreciate the time you took and um, I've learned a lot as usual and I will see you in the draft room. Yes. Yes. Thanks Zach. I really appreciate it, man. All right. Have a good night. We're broken people now. We're back. So cold and bleeding now, now, now Gonna let you down We're broken I won't never be nothing, ain't that something? I've risen from the bottom, I got em, eyes on the prize and inside I'm damn right I overcame, y'all know the name We similar but never been the same, everybody yeah they know the name Right now, I'ma make it somehow, make it some way Yeah you know we gon' get it today like I'm all on my own now I won't ever let you down, won't let you down, down, down. Yes, I've been through it. They know I do it for the people I'm fighting. So we be equal for my son and my sequel. And anybody who listening in they system like venom, I get in them and spread viciously. This is me. We're broken people now. We're burning.
rap addict. Giving it every part of myself on the real, you would think I'd be asthmatic. Allergic to your bullshit, yeah, that's right, I done had it. Real all the time, if you rep it, get it tatted right now. It's right here, a vibe right now. I am too alive right now, I'm alive right now. Come on, feel the vibe right now. Feel the vibe, feel the vibe, feel the, feel, feel, feel the, feel the vibe. Yes, I've been through it, they know I do it for the people I'm fighting, so we be equal for my son and my sequel. And anybody who listening in they system like venom, I get in them and spread viciously. This is me. We're broken people now. Between our streets, we're broken people now. We're broken people now. 